Steve, happy Monday. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Had a um, fun, fun weekend. Went to the Garth Brooks concert with my wife, who was here in Boise, and that was pretty incredible. And yeah, so you got your boots, scooting and, boogie on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had a few drinks, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, other than that, and then just uh, man, my little little guys just colicky as all get out. So it's pretty, uh, pretty rough right now, that's for sure. Not a lot of sleep <laughs> happening, and even during the day, it's like, um, man, it's um, not easy, that's for sure. Living that dad life. Living the dad life. Yeah. <laughs> we were with some friends yesterday who have younger kids and they came over to a place and we kind of had like a, we were swimming and hanging out and I was just laughing because my buddy, you know, he has young kids and he's, he's like coming with a pack and play and a big old bag full of crap. And I was just telling him, I was like, dude, I remember those days. It's so nice when you don't have to pack, you know, a vehicle full of stuff just to go out for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. uh Definitely uh, challenging, that's for sure. Yeah, all those different seasons. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. What's a, what's an update just on the the you know? I know we got guys tuning in on the EXO side, and we're 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 man, we're like right at the brink. We're getting that new stuff out there. So what's just, just kind of a general update for those guys who are interested in? Yeah, we are. I mean, it's today's Monday. What is it? The twenty second. We'll start shipping maybe tomorrow or Wednesday, the 24th. So we kind of, when people placed orders, we said we'd start shipping the 15th through the 25th. And, and we're right there, just going to be that 23rd, 24th area. Uh, we're, again, yeah, we're going as fast as we can go, pushing the sew shops as hard as they can go. There's a lot of, I don't think people, you know, I, I remember you made a comment a few podcasts ago of like when you worked for us, you know, kind of part time, you know, a few years ago. And then the difference between, actually seeing everything that goes on behind the scenes it's, it's there's a lot of moving parts and pieces so we got both sew shops cranking you know we're just waiting on a few things here and there some some of the accessories are just wrapping up in production waiting on some lids but everything should come together here in the next day or two and, and we'll start shipping and we gotta bring in a bunch of extra help to get these things assembled and shipped out the door as fast as we can so guys can get them in time and start hunting and anyone out there listening we do have a short list of guys who have early august hunts just to we kind of you know if you got a hunt coming up we try to make that a priority over someone who just wants to get something for a scouting trip or something but um so reach out to us yeah if, if you got a hunt that's you know august 5th or something like that and absolutely have to have a pack by it but we're getting there man i'm excited it's um I'm ready to get caught up and, and just have packs in stock and yeah. and be uh, be back to normalcy because the you know it's funny people complain about um, you know, obviously you order your pack and I'm guilty as any I like just ordered a quilt a few weeks ago and I'm like every day can't wait for the thing to ship even even though they said it's going to be three to four weeks I'm still like optimistic yeah. it's going to ship sooner right <laughs> uh, but you know we're trust us we are doing everything we possibly can to get these things out to you as fast as we can and hopefully uh, you'll agree that it's worth the wait when you get your pack. Yeah, for sure. And just for guys who get like lead times have changed. It all depends on when you order. So people have seen the website go from saying, you know, July 15th to 25th to early August to now say in mid August. That is that doesn't mean that like if you ordered, you know, weeks ago that your timeline has changed to mid August. Those timelines just as an FYI as you see them on the website. Those are for current like if you order today, here's the estimated timeline. So just to clarify that, if you guys are still looking to get set up, I mean, I mean, we're getting awfully stinking close, but it, you know, as of now, like we can still get you packed before September for sure. But it's one of those things where if 
you're asking us that question in three to four weeks, we don't quite know what that answer is going to be. So yeah, we'll see. So I mean, it's it's a dynamic situation for sure. Let's see. This week on the roundtable, so we're continuing. Uh, it's July, doing the roundtable every week. This week is a different one, an interesting one. This was inspired by a listener question, and we asked everybody in the roundtable about rituals or superstitions or maybe just like a very unique habit or technique or something that they had. So this is, I want to say it's like much less like very, it's not a tactic, right? But it's like, what does this person, what does a successful hunter do that's very unique to them? And the answers were kind of all over the board. It's pretty interesting. So this is a different one, but I'm excited to get out there. What were your thoughts on it, Steve? Yeah, no, I like it, man. I, I, you know, um, obviously I'm in there and you get to hear my answer on it. Um, but to me, it, you know, this quick summary is it comes down to anything that inspires confidence. Uh, and so whatever, whatever that is for you, uh, confidence kills out there and, uh, whatever that is, whether it's a superstition or preparation or whatever, um, man, I think that's the key. Yeah, for sure. That's a good summary. Speaking of roundtable, we're actually doing this again, not through a whole month. We're actually in August going to have Elk Week, and we're going to put out an episode every day for a week in August before season starts with an elk topic and elk question each day with a whole new roundtable of experienced elk hunters. I think this is like in the works right now. We we have the guys scheduled. I'm finalizing the questions. Actually reached out on social to see like what are the what what are those questions that just keep rising to the top. So it's again inspired by you guys, but I think what we're going to do is have four days, four episodes where there's a particular a single question or topic for that day and then on the fifth day, we're going to have like a rapid fire with each person in the round table. So instead of asking that person one question we're going to take 10 or 15 minutes and hit like as many as possible because what i realized is we reach out on social to get like what are those questions yeah there's like repeated things that come to the top and those are the ones we'll dive deep on but but man there was some like kind of like one-off questions i never would have thought of that i thought man we have to ask these guys so that's where that rapid fire comes into play so that's coming in August on the podcast and some other great stuff we've already recorded and some other ones that are in the work. So I'm, I'm excited, man, between like now and the end of the year, there's some great stuff coming. Um, also coming in August, just as like a heads up that you guys can think towards, we're going to do an In My Exo giveaway. We did this last year. Basically, the whole idea is as we, as we get close to season, it's an opportunity for, you know, everybody's thinking about their gear list and getting their stuff together. And we thought everybody's doing that anyway. Let's, let's have an opportunity to share that. So basically you can post on social, like post on Instagram with the, in my exo hashtag and like show us like, here's my gear all set out. Maybe talk about something that stands out, something that's new, something you're excited about, et cetera. So the details on that are coming, but just to give you guys a heads up, if you want to work on entering that, that that'll be coming. And we're going to have a prize every week in August. We're going to be giving away Exomount Gear gift cards. We're going to be giving away a custom Benchmade knife with the Exomount Gear logo. We're going to be giving away the SNS trekking poles. So just a, just a quick heads up that that's coming in August as well. Um, to dive into the meat of this episode, Steve, we have some listener Q&A that I wanted to tackle. So you don't have any idea what these are. So you ready? <laughs> yeah, shoot. All right. So this first one, I, did, I we got this question. It was perfect. I thought of you, Steve, because you've you've been in this situation. So the listener had a archery muley hunt 
um, in Wyoming. Been there, done that for you, right? Yep. So he says, I'll be there mid-month, plan on staying up as high as possible. I know water will be important. I plan to bring a two-liter hydration bag in my pack and two additional platypus three-liter bladders. So once I find water, I can haul several liters back to camp. Um, what are our thoughts on the struggle um, of water when you're trying to stay as high as possible on a mule deer hunt? So, Steve, you were there. I mean, even you can speak to Wyoming specifically or lean on other experiences, but specifically for muley hunting where you're trying to stay high, trying to keep near that glassing point, what are some tips? What's been your experience with water for that? Oh man. Yeah. That's, that is really hard, especially when you're talking about going into country that you haven't been in before. Um, so like when on my Wyoming hunt, I did it in 2014. Um, we, you know, scouting, you kind of overpacked water and it was great. Um, cause you know, you just, you could pack the extra weight, but you're scouting. So your pack's already fairly lightweight and we were able to figure out the water sources and it wasn't, um, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't super pretty. I think we had to drop down, oh, like 11, 1200 feet from where we wanted to camp and glass to get water. And I think this guy's right on, right on there. I mean, I, basically I typically just have a three liter, uh, platypus hoser bladder in my pack and then. Uh, a two liter uh, platypus, um, I can't remember what they call it, just their drink, their bottle. Uh, I think it's called a platy bottle. Um, and so I'll have five liters. It, it, if I get to a water source, I will completely top off. And then that five liters is going to get me two days, basically stretching on out. Um, but the, by that third morning, I would like the first thing I would have to do is go get water. So it's kind of a those platy bottles weigh absolutely nothing. I think that two liter one's 1.8 ounces. So the weight penalty to have those in your pack is pretty minimal. And then the ability to pack up that extra water and, and take it with you is, is pretty vital. But it's, um, um, yeah, it's just a balance there. You got to, when you don't know the country, uh, you got, you're better safe than sorry just to get that extra water. It's the one thing that's going to, force you off the mountain, force you lower, you know, take away from your hunting time. So when you do come across those water sources, I definitely recommend, uh, cameling up and, and packing as much as you can. Cool. Another listener question. And we've touched on this. Um, and we're actually, you guys might've heard us mention the muley series that we, we actually already have recorded some of those. I wanted to get that out this summer just with schedules aligning. It was not happening. So this is something we've touched on and we'll have much more detail on in the future because we're still doing that muley series. But Steve, the question is advice for getting to high country vantage points without alerting game. So obviously you hear common um, suggestions like making sure you don't skyline yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But how have you struggled with that over the years or what have you learned just from experience on actually getting to those areas without alerting game? Or is that something that's not super concerning for you? You know, I, I think we've covered this in the past a little bit and that uh, at least myself and the guys I hunt with, we're not super anal about, you know, belly crawling everywhere and being completely, completely hitting. Um, you know, there's especially if you're talking about early season, I think if you're um, in October, you know, maybe there's some advantages there of the, the deer have been spooked so many times already that you want to be really careful. But if you're in early August and you're scouting, we're pretty, I would say reckless about it, but we're, we're not going way out of our way to make sure that we're hidden. Um, 
but I guess as simple as what I do is just use the terrain. So if I want to glass a basin, I'm obviously not going to walk right up the bottom of it. I'm going to circle around and, and come over the backside. And so I had any kind of glassing point I could think of off the top of my head or the last you know five or ten that I've done, the scouting trip I got coming up here for deer, I've already planned the route in and I'm definitely going to be coming in from the backside. And in this case, I'll actually be in a separate unit. And once I crest the ridge, I'll be in the unit that I can hunt. So, um, yeah, just use the terrain as best as you can. And, and when you don't have good terrain and, and good opportunity, don't, you know, um, try not to skyline yourself, try to move in the shadows. Um, you know, there's little tips and tricks, but overall I wouldn't like said, overanalyze it. Just, you know, hunt the country and you're going to be glassing, um, I guess the first thing to do or one thing to think about is when you do crest over something, you're going to immediately scan the hundred yards around you. Uh, cause I, I'm, I'm going to be glassing 500 yards to a mile, right? So anything that's with 600 yards away is probably not going to pick up my movement, but if there's something right there in front of you, then yeah, you need to be careful. So I guess, um, I'm rambling here, but if I was cresting a ridge, I'm definitely not going to be making a bunch of noise and talking with my buddy if I'm with somebody, right? Like you're going to be kind of quiet and sneak over that ridge and just have your, you know, your head on a swivel and then, okay, if there's nothing 100, 200 yards away, then, you know, hike wherever you got to, you got to hike another 50 yards, plop down and, and start glassing. Another question we had was about someone who's completely new to bear hunting, but they, they have the itch. They want to go on their very first bear hunts. So they were just asking suggestions obviously that could be a big topic. I would just point out there's, there's some good episodes in our archive on that. Specifically, if you go back to episode 115, we spoke with Douglas Bowes, the title of that one's called no bait, just bears, black bear hunting tactics. If you go way back in the archive, episode 31 was what you know, or what you need to know to kill a big bear with Russ Meyer. And then also one you don't see it in the title, but kind of a good beginner perspective was back in episode 158 with Levi Sim. The title of that one was expand your season, expand your skills. He had a, a story in there about his first bear hunt. So if you're getting into bear hunting, I would suggest those three episodes for sure back in the archive. But Steve, let's say you're like an elk deer hunter guy. What comes to mind in, in terms of maybe just something to know to get you started or differences if you want to get into hunting bear? Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't consider, I mean, I've killed bears. I don't consider myself a bear expert here, but, um, you know, in the spring, they're actually not that hard to find. I think they are very reclusive. So a general rule I have is I want to find a canyon, uh, and I'm going to hunt them almost identically to how I'd hunt mule deer. I'm going to plan, um, find remote country, plan a good glassing spot and get in there. And with bears, um, it's super important to just like find that glassing spot and sit all day long, uh, in my experience, because they, they're just super lazy. Um, and that you could stare at a hillside all day long. And then all of a sudden two bears are going to pop out of a, a little patch of brush and start feeding an opening. So, but springtime, you know, once the snow melts, April 15th through June, that could be really, really fun hunting. Um, and, uh, yeah, that spot and stock. If you're doing it with a rifle, I'd say it's pretty high success. If you can do your research, find an area that you know holds bears, and then, like I said, find a find a remote canyon with a good glassing spot that's got good feed, good water, 
um, no trails, no roads anywhere within two, three miles. And, and you're, you know, you've got a high chance of finding a bear. Unless you're with us on the death hike, but that's <laughs> unless you're on the death hike. I still don't understand what happened there. Uh, <laughs> dude. W- yeah. I mean, it sounds like such a cop out and of course it's half cop out and half true, but the weather was definitely not conducive. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to glass for bears. When you can see we had in the, in the wilderness <laughs> there. Um, the amount of eyes we had should have spotted more bears than we had, but I know they're there. So it's just a, you know, whatever. Um, We'll do one more and then listeners, I mean, submit more of these. We'll tackle more for for in the future for sure on listener questions. But this one I wanted to kind of wrap up with. We're going to answer a lot of this in the coming weeks in a couple of ways. So let me, do, let me just first read this. This guy had a few questions. He said um, he's coming from the Midwest out to Colorado for an over-the-counter elk hunt. Most of his scouting will be e-scouting. He was wondering what sorts of terrain features we look for when trying to nail down spots. I'll say first on that, that's definitely something we will be covering in the elk roundtable. That's a question that comes up over and over again is e-scouting, what do you look for? So a whole bunch more coming on that. Um, He also said, when you get boots on the ground, how do you make the most effective use of your time? Steve, we just actually recorded an episode all about making the most use of your time, having more success with limited time. Again, that's an episode that's coming in August. So just another teaser. However, Steve, I did want to ask about this. He said, we are making a weekend scouting trip or a long weekend scouting trip in August. He wishes he had more time, but that's what he has. What do they do there? So what, it, like in general, what's your advice for a, a preseason? All you have is a weekend, two, three days short on time, specifically for elk. How would you attack that? What are you looking for? What is some advice for that? Um. Yeah, I think... For elk, to me, that would be getting more so, like, if I'm going deer scouting, I want to find deer. If I'm going elk scouting, I want to find elk sign. Um, I can specifically remember a place probably 10 plus years ago, new area, went in there, uh, and I think I in a scouting trip, I saw 35 bulls or something like that, something stupid, sitting on this huge glassing point. I can glass 360 down multiple canyons. And over the course of two days, saw 35 bulls. Um, went back to that same place uh, on opening day, and all the elk were not a bull in sight. Uh, and they had all between that, you know, August 15th and there, they had just moved down the canyon about two to three miles to where all the cows were living. So the, the one thing I was seeing was all these bulls, very few cows, um, and not really rutting sign up up high so for me on an elk scouting trip i would plan i would basically you're just going to want to get you know use your glass for sure and and maybe glass early morning and evening and try to locate elk but the rest of the day be on your feet hike and and understanding the country finding i would i would not be very worried about bumping elk i mean i'd be smart about how you're moving but if you bump them, shouldn't be a big deal. They're, you know, you're just going to bump them. They're going to run 500 yards or heck a mile. But they're probably going to circle around and be right back in that country again, especially if that's where they want to be. Um, so I'd be I'd be hiking a lot, and I'd be trying to find wallows. I'd be looking at every small sapling and trying to find rubs. I'd be looking for elk poop. I'd be looking for bedding areas. I'd be looking for heavily used trails. All that stuff are going to be indicators that they're there in September. Um, and so in general, like I said, if you're finding a bunch of bulls, 
Um, and it depends on the country, but they're going to be somewhere different. So if you're finding a bunch of elk sign, you're also finding a bunch of cows and some spikes and, you know, stuff like that. That's probably a good indicator of that's where you want to be come, come September. So again, I, um, I just cover a lot of country. I'd, I'd plan a route that you could really do a lot of, you know, um, side hilling through country, try to find benches, um, north slopes, benches, water, all the above are going to be good places to hold elk. And, and just, um, I can't reiterate enough how important it is, uh, for elk hunting to know the country, to know, um, when you hear a bugle in the morning, if you've scouted that area and you know, there's a meadow over there, or, you know, there's a wallow or, you know, there's a bedding area, you know, this big 50 yard circle where everything, the ground's just all chewed up and you could tell the elk like to hang out there. Um, when you hear that bugle, that opening morning or whatever it is, you're going to know the country and know like, Hey, it's, there is a bedding area right there. Um, and it's 10 AM. Maybe I'm going to hang back and wait or, you know, you hear bugle first in the morning and you know, you're in between a bedding and a feeding area that like that bull might be coming this way. So having that knowledge is definitely uh, a knowledge of the terrain and country is going to be, um, huge in helping you be successful. Perfect. Um, one final one. We had a we had a question about a guy who's brand new, new to hunting. He says he's going to start with rifle hunting. He wants to get into bow hunting. He was asking equipment advice. Honestly, my answer, and this sounds like a cop out, is to go listen to episode one seventy four. We talked about budget bow build. This guy was asking, do do I have to spend a thousand plus bucks? The answer is no. And I think the best way to get informed on why you don't and how you can get set up for under that is go listen to episode 174. It's a budget bow build. We talked with Garrett Weaver about how he got everything he needed um, for under 500 bucks. Second point to that, don't forget this month, July of 2019, is the Hoyt Helix bow giveaway. So instead of buying a $1,000 bow, maybe you can go win one. Just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast. Again, this month, July of 2019, Look for the giveaway link. It takes a couple seconds to enter. You can win a Hoyt Helix. So, Steve, that was good. Um, we'll be back here next week. This Wednesday, Rituals and Superstitions, and then we'll be back next week with a Monday Minute. So thanks for tuning in. Steve, thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.